Welcome to the Gracious Leader Podcast with your host, Doris Young Boyer. Thank you for joining us today. The mission of this podcast is for you to hear from experts the power of graciousness to help you create the life you want and lead others to do the same. You will learn strategies and techniques to transform awkward situations, insights to create and sustain relationships, strategies to develop collaborative cultures, and proven methods to lead with poise and power. Here's Doris. Today's conversation on the Gracious Leader podcast is about how to offer support in the workplace during times of grief and loss, and how to offer that support with grace and skill. The loss of a loved one and the bereavement process is, you know, by nature, it's awkward and it's an emotional experience. And it affects all of us in our own lives, through the lives of our close friends, as well as through the colleagues in a workplace. And we want to be as prepared and knowledgeable as possible for ourselves, as well as our teammates and the bereaved and other mourners that we may come in contact with. So an awareness, I believe, I know actually, of etiquette and protocol surrounding grief and loss is, is the starting point. Etiquette and protocol guidelines are helpful because they provide strategies that we can follow. And, and these are strategies that have been tested. And so that will automatically give us some form of comfort. Also, meeting and funeral protocols have been relaxed. Some things that were done perhaps in the past are are no longer um, expected. Also, in-person funerals have been replaced by virtual events. The current etiquette guidelines will give us general framework to think about what to do that shows respect for the deceased. But the most important guideline I want to emphasize is the relationship you have with the deceased or the person that is mourning their loss. People want to know that you care. Uh, Your presence and acknowledgement is helpful, even when it's awkward. And why is that? Well, because relationships are assets that grow over time. And so being part of the bereavement is an investment in that relationship. Also, on another level, it's an opportunity for us to understand the experience and grow from it and know what to do the next time. The questions that we get in our business and our practice about grief and loss generally falls into three broad categories. One is what is required. You know, what do people expect of me? And how do I behave to meet these expectations? And the third one I think is really key. How do I support the bereaved person after the formalities, particularly when they come back to work? So let's start with what is required. And these are the questions that people generally ask me. Do I attend the service? What is required of me at the service? Will there be one more than one more service? So let's begin at the beginning. First thing you want to do is acknowledge the loss. Send a card or a handwritten note to the person, uh, something brief in the card. Sorry to hear of this loss. My thoughts are with you is, is enough. You can make a brief telephone call. The person may not receive the call themselves. There may be a family member there or a friend who will take a list of people who called and keep a, um, a list for them. One of the questions that I've been asked is, can I text my condolences? 
This is really something that requires a little bit more of you, something a little bit more personal. If it is a very close friend and you just want to say, John, I just heard about Mary. I'm so sorry. I'll be in touch. That would be acceptable. But follow up with something personal right away. The second thing is consider how to memorialize the deceased. Do you want to send flowers? Are they appropriate? Um, do I want to make a donation to their favorite charity? And that's something that may be requested by the family instead of flowers. The, the obituary in the newspaper or information on the funeral home wells website will provide some guidance for you about the family's wishes. Can I attend the service? In most cases, the answer is yes, unless it's a private ceremony, and then you will know that. So you can attend the service if the service is in person or even if the service is virtual. In some traditions, there may be a wake or other visitations. Always arrive before the scheduled time. If it's in person, avoid entering during the processional, the recessional, or when the eulogies are being delivered. Even if you're invited to come into the door by the usher or someone else at the door, always stand in the back. You don't want to get involved in what is actually happening in the, the service at that time. Be aware of cultural or religious customs. And I'm sure your question is, how do I know that? Well, a couple of ways. Usually there's a printed program with an outline of the order of service at the particular service. Also, one of the things that I recommend, it's acceptable to talk with someone from that tradition if you can. People are more than willing to help you bridge that particular gap. Let's talk about three traditions, and I'll give you some information from people who have written on these topics that they feel will be helpful for you to know. In the tradition, Christian tradition, the services are usually within one week of the death. Flowers may be sent to the home, to the church, or to the funeral home. The family may request a donation in lieu of flowers. Sending flowers is totally up to you, or, or a donation is totally up to you. They may request a contribution to a particular charity, and you can send that contribution to them, or there may be a link that you can send it directly to the charity. Food can be sent to the home as well. Guests of other faith are expected to stand where indicated during the service, but you're not expected to participate in traditions that are unfamiliar to you. In the Christian religion, guests can generally attend the interment. At the grave site, there'll be a brief service. So you can decide whether or not you want to attend that. Now in Jewish tradition, the funeral takes place within 24 hours and will last 15 to 60 minutes. Ceremony takes place in a synagogue, a temple, or a funeral home. The casket is closed, and guests are expected to stand with other mourners when directed to do so. Men generally wear a jacket and a tie and a small head covering called a yarmulke. Women wear modest clothing, such as a dress or a suit. All the colors are somber. Flowers in the Jewish tradition are not appropriate. Contributions are given to a charity or a cause favored by the deceased or their family. Food is appropriate, and that food may be kosher. You'll find out if that is required based on information that you receive. Now, the family sits in mourning for seven days after the funeral. 
and this is called sitting shiva. Visits are during the day or evening to the home. There is no formal invitation, it's just a practice that is known. And some of the things that you will see is that mirrors in the home are usually covered. Immediate members of the family will sit on small chairs or boxes wearing a black ribbon that has been cut. Immediate members of the family may wear slippers or socks. Uh, a minion or religious service will take place twice a day during Shiva. Usually 10 people are needed for that service. If there is no service, you just sit quietly. Now in Muslim traditions, the funeral takes place very quickly and burial is within 24 hours of the death. A service often occurs after the burial and takes place in a mosque. All attendees are required to remove their shoes. Women wear headscarves and the clothing is dark and somber. And that's for in-person services. Remote services are really taking a lot of uh, a place of in-person of in services during this pandemic. And I believe that they are here to stay. So some of the guidelines are the same. Be on time or be before time. Share your video. This is about community, so you want to be present and be on the screen. Mute your audio so that you do not disturb anybody else. And always exhibit behavior that is respectful of the event. So that means that it's recommended that you not eat or multitask or engage in other behaviors that may be distracting. You want to sit as calm and as respectful as, as possible. Dress as if you were there. Dark colors are acceptable. And also have a, a respectful Zoom background if that's the platform that's being used. Now, of course, there are exceptions to that. You know, friends and family may suggest a unique theme for the service, and then you would follow that particular theme. The second broad category is how do I behave? What do I say? What should I not say? We talked about what I should wear, but I'll cover that a little bit more. Generally, funeral attire is conservative. So you're going to wear black or blue or gray, suits for men, suits or dresses for women. Avoid bright colors unless you're invited to do so. Customs may change, though, depending on the bereaved or their family. And this is what I mean when I say some protocols are, are relaxed. So if it's a, a person who was very gregarious and liked a particular color, the family may ask you to wear that particular color. And the funeral home, again, can be helpful here in letting you know if there are special requests by the family. They will probably have it on their, their website. There are individuals who are part of a, a group, so that group may wear their colors or their uniforms, such as a firefighter or a police officer or fraternity or a sorority. However, for others of us that attend, a generally conservative attire is the best. Now, what do I say? This is the most tricky one. Keep your comments brief. Offer condolences, brief condolences. I am sorry for your, your loss. If there is a receiving line and you go through that receiving line, you introduce yourself, tell how you know the deceased. Again, be brief and thoughtful with your comments. Uh, sometimes we all have a story about the deceased and that story can be told perhaps afterwards when you're at um, a meal with the family and they may 
appreciate hearing that particular story, but the receiving line is not the place to do that. What should I avoid saying? And I think this is the category that we most want to know about. I recommend that you avoid any comments, however well-meaning, that minimize the loss, such as it was for the best if the person was sick for a long time, or they are in a better place, or this is God's will, or you'll be all right. Especially avoid, I know how you feel, because you really don't. You know, everybody grieves differently. So how you might have felt that during your time of loss may have nothing to do with how that particular person feels. So how do you support the bereaved when they return to work? Employees will need support beyond the funeral. And so bereavement is that process that we go through to recover from the death of a loved one. And the process is different for everybody. And returning to work is awkward for the employee as well as the team. So what can you do? How will you advise your team? As the leader, what, what steps will you take to ensure that the person is integrated back into that environment and that they can be as productive as possible? In her book, The Happiness Track, Dr. Emma Sapala says being compassionate to others increases loyalty and commitment among colleagues and employees and creates a happier work environment. So we know the employee needs support beyond the event of the funeral. And we know that grief is not linear. So some things will get harder before they get easier with the routine of daily living. From my own experience as a widow, I found that bereavement was hard and exhausting work. It impacts your focus, your inner balance, and your sense of presence. It tests your resolve to keep moving forward, and, and it's sneaky. You know, just when you think you are okay, a memory is lurking around the corner and throws you a curveball. And it would be great if the attack happened when you were at home in your room, but it could be anywhere. It could be in the mall. It could be a meeting or a social occasion. So sometimes bereavement gets harder before it gets easier. So it takes time and it affects your work performance because people can only let in as much as they can handle. The employee may be frustrated when the desire and the commitment is there, but the focus is not. So they will benefit from the support of their team and their department to help ease that transition. So what can you do? As the team leader, you can call a staff meeting to talk about how to support your teammate. What is the bereaved person's colleagues feeling? Where is their awkwardness? What support does the team need so they can support their colleague? Maybe you can assign someone to be a buddy for the person returning to the office to make them aware of what transpired during their, their absence. While business must go on, it may be helpful not to schedule the person to do a, a presentation on days that are sensitive for them, like maybe the deceased person's birthday. But the flip side of that, again, is everybody is different. Some people may want to plunge in head first and put in as much time and get things behind them as possible. So this is a time... I believe, to, to get to know as much as you can about the employee. So maybe when you have your, your staff support meeting, people can say, well, I know Mary, and this is how I think she may react, and this, these are some of the things that 
that we may be able to do for that particular person. The key point here is to be aware of what you can provide and offer that support and offer strategies to each other. Now, there, there are bereavement coaches, and one, Dr. Rachel Kodance, is a bereavement coach, and she suggests the following strategies. One, plan ahead. Down to consider how you want to greet that person when you first see them. You can simply say, it's good to see you, or I'm glad you're here. If you haven't done so before, you can offer your condolences to the person. The second thing she says is to, re is to listen. Resist the urge to talk immediately after your greeting. Instead, allow the person to respond in his or her own way. Recognize how the bereaved responds to being there. How do they look, you know? Expect that they may cry and that they may break down. Anticipate that this may happen and accept that you can't forgive it. You can't fix it, excuse me. Ask the person what you would like for them to do. Do you want me to stay with you or do you want to be alone? Just be there for the person and allow the grief to move at its own pace. The important thing is to manage your behavior so that you can help the bereaved person contribute to their own healing and you can contribute to their healing and create a collaborative work culture. These are some strategies that have been used and they will support the bereaved as well as help you support them with grace and skill. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast. You will find us on Audible, C-Suite Radio, Spotify, and many other podcast platforms. We'll see you next time. And remember, the gracious leader is a powerful leader. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.